You are listening to Living for the Cinema with Jeff Gershon. I am a cinema enthusiast of all genres, here to discuss with you one film every episode. The good, the bad, and the ugly of what makes each film unique. And just as a warning, these films might be in theaters now, or they may be from 10, 20, 30 years ago. But regardless, there's a strong possibility that I will be revealing spoilers. I might give away the plot or the ending in this review, so just be warned. A League of Their Own, which came out in 1992 and was directed by Penny Marshall. It stars Gina Davis, Lori Petty, Tom Hanks, Madonna, Rosie O'Donnell, Megan Cavanaugh, David Strathairn, Anne Ramsey, and John Lovitz. The genre would be historical sports drama. Columbia Pictures would like to take you out to the ball game for an all-star comedy. What if my uniform bursts open and, oops, my bosoms come flying out? You think there are men in this country who ain't seen your bosoms? A League of Their Own, directed by Penny Marshall. Now, spoiler warning, the ending of this movie is going to be discussed pretty early. It's hard to believe that this movie came out 30 years ago which is the last time I saw it when it came out in theaters. It's actually funnier and more resonant than I remember, though still too damn long. Now, this was more of a 90s sort of thing for this type of movie, because we saw it with even greater films from Malcolm X to Schindler's List. But director Penny Marshall bookends this movie with one of the most unnecessarily long, modern-day framing devices that I have ever seen. And this is coming from someone who loved baseball at the time of release. And I was even pumped to go to Cooperstown this same year. And I understand the sentiment behind showing us present day these women going to Cooperstown to the Baseball Hall of Fame to see the new exhibit there. But it really adds nothing to the movie besides forcing the audience to start playing that casting game as they see the older actresses as they each first appear. Hmm, is that actress supposed to be an older Betty Spaghetti? And it becomes more about that, distracting. That said, the rest of the movie is still pretty great. With the exception of the somewhat controversial ending, which I'll get to a bit later. That game, of course, features a critical face-off at the plate between Hinson sisters, who are now on opposite teams. Dottie Hinson, played by Gina Davis, and Kit Hinson, played by Lori Petty. As they begin this story, playing together on the same team, their relationship is obviously the heart of this story. And speaking of Davis, she does a strong job of leading a pretty stacked cast. This was Davis during her early 90s peak, right after previous episode Thelma and Louise, and the same year as the very underrated comedy, Hero. She just commands the screen as the best player in the league, who's a six-foot-tall catcher. Okay, sure. She's still funny, charismatic, and engaging all the same. Kit, listen to me. It was all a mistake, okay? It was a big mistake. Plus, I was getting too good, wasn't I? I knew if I did too good, you'd do something to push me down. Hey, Kit. Blow it out your rear end. I am so sick of being blamed for everything that's bothering you. I got you into this league, goddammit. I didn't even want to be here. Then why are you still here? My train leaves at 8 o'clock. I got 10 minutes to pack. 
Well, if you have any trouble, you know who to blame. As does Lori Petty as her sister, whose performance is actually more sympathetic than I remember. She's playing the resentful younger sister to the prodigy of Dottie Henson. Now, it's tropey for sure, but Petty sells it, and you completely buy them as competitive sisters. This was also the rare occasion of a Hollywood filmmaker in the 90s knowing just the right amount of Madonna and Rosie O'Donnell to include in this movie. At the time, they were both big celebrities, and in lesser hands, this could have come off as stunt casting. But they both generally stay in their respective 90s persona lanes, and it's genuinely fun to watch them playing off of each other. What are you looking at? Yeah, what are you looking at? Nothing. Right? Nothing. All these girls going to be in the league? You wish. You do wish. They're going to have four teams, 16 girls to a team. That's right. 64 girls. Yeah, what are you, a genius? <laughs> you know, they got over 100 girls here, so um, some of you are going to have to go home. Yeah, sorry about that. Come on, Doris. Those people are jerks. What do you mean, some of us? Do it. Okay, some of them are going home. Hey, how did you do that? Yes, the extended swing dance sequence in the middle of the movie, it seems 100% shoehorned in just to allow Ms. Madonna the opportunity to show off some of her new retro dance moves on the big screen. But it's still a fun sequence regardless. And then there's Hanks. Tom Hanks. Man, I miss this Hanks. This was probably his last full-on comedy, at least non-rom-com, performance for at least another decade. And he is glorious. His Jimmy Dugan is a pretty tropey character as well. The drunken slob has been, who now finds a new purpose managing this team. But he just has so many fun outbursts and exchanges as this loud character that I just did not care. Nice piece of coaching, Jimmy. I especially like that move in the fifth inning when you scratched your balls for an hour. Well, anything worth doing is worth doing right. If we paid you a little bit more, Jimmy, could you be just a little more disgusting? Well, I could certainly use the money. And there's no shortage of gems like those, thanks to a screenplay from heartwarming comedy stalwarts Lowell Gantz and Babalu Mandel. These guys have always known how to bring the funny. Are you crying? There's no crying. There's no crying in baseball. Rogers Hornsby was my manager, and he called me a talking pile of pig shit. And that was when my parents drove all the way down from Michigan to see me play the game. And did I cry? No, no. Yeah. <laughs> No! And you know why? No. Because there's no crying in baseball. There's no crying in baseball! Overall, this is still a very well-crafted movie loaded with fun period montages and loads of lush period detail for the 1940s. Most importantly, the baseball on screen is dazzling. Penny Marshall does a great job, with help from cinematographer Miroslav Andrzejczyk, of showcasing the geography of the on-field play, which is suitably exciting helped by a cast which was clearly well-trained to play ball. And that brings us to the categories. The first category would be Best Needle Drop. This is the best song cue or piece of score used throughout the runtime of the film, because music is essential to film. This category, this time, allows me the opportunity to introduce what I would call the Madonna Rule. As many might already be aware, Madonna Louise Ciccone, her full name, has spent much of the past 35-plus years revolutionizing pop music, while also contributing songs to many a movie soundtrack. Starting in the mid-80s, Madonna also started acting in movies, and it would not be an exaggeration to refer to her acting career as decidedly mixed. <laughs> but here are the basics of this rule, the Madonna rule, which this film completely coincides with. Number one, no film prominently featuring a Madonna song on the soundtrack, which she also co-stars in, 
has ever been less than watchable. Those two things. And that includes this very movie, Desperately Seeking Susan, Dick Tracy, and even a couple of films which she has just had cameos in, including Vision Quest and previous episode Die Another Day, which was not an objectively good movie, but still highly entertaining. Number two, the second part of the Madonna rule is that no film which she has acted in, which does not feature a song of hers on the soundtrack, is even remotely watchable. They're bad. This group includes The Ghastly Swept Away, Shanghai Surprise, Dangerous Game, and Body of Evidence, the latter of which came out a year after former episode Basic Instinct and was just such a blatant ripoff of that movie, it actually made that movie look better by comparison. The third part of the Madonna rule is quite simple. If a Madonna song is prominently featured on the soundtrack for a movie and she is not featured in said movie, the likelihood is that this movie pretty much sucks. Yep, no Madonna acting, but Madonna song. And this includes With Honors, Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me. Sorry, I just like the first one. Get Smart and Crossroads, which was the sole starring vehicle of Britney Spears. Enough said. Oh yeah, the song that she performed for this movie and which also received an Oscar nomination for, This Used to Be My Playground, which plays over the end credits and is pretty damn good. This used to be my The next category is Wasted Talent. This is the most underutilized talent involved with the film. The late, great Penny Marshall was undoubtedly a trailblazing director. With the movie Big, which came out a few years before this, she became the first woman to direct a $100 million blockbuster, which is actually a feat that she repeated a few years later with this film. And I've enjoyed most of her movies, including this and Big, also Jumping Jack Flash and Awakenings. But one issue I have often had was how she handled the endings. And this brings me back to that final conclusion at the plate in the final game of the World Series between Dottie and Kit. Sorry, but I'm just not crazy about how Marshall frames this key moment. For one thing, the score kicks in with triumphant music as we see Kit celebrating her victory with the other team. Why? Now, yes, it can serve the story overall to divert from expectations this way. Not every sports movie has to have a conventionally happy ending. I get that. But I am just at a loss, re-watching this now decades later, as to why this moment is presented to the audience as a positive, given that the Rockford Peaches have lost. These are most of the characters we have been following on this story. They are the team who we have been rooting for this whole time. It's okay to acknowledge this as a bummer for almost all of our main protagonists. Just a strange choice. And then just before that, as the Peaches lose the game, is another strange choice. The camera closes in on Dottie's hand, dropping the ball when Kit runs into her at the plate. It's filmed in a manner that kind of makes it look even intentional on Dottie's part. And it's just confusing. Now, revisiting everything leading up to this moment, it's much easier to believe that Dottie did not drop the ball on purpose. But I can tell you, when I first saw this in theaters... I thought the opposite, and I wasn't alone. Apparently, this has been a lot of talk, a lot of controversy ever since the movie came out. Yes, of course, she was very sympathetic to Kit. But Dottie also had a fierce competitive spirit. And it's a real stretch to think that she would actually throw the game after all of this. I mean, she drove all the way back from Yellowstone for this. 
Kit was a runaway freight train rounding those bases. It actually tracks that she simply overpowered Dottie at that very moment. I just wish it was filmed differently, and it's not helped by the film suddenly celebrating Kit's victory immediately afterwards. Overall, I just find it frustrating to see such a top-flight filmmaker really kind of fumble the ending of what could potentially have been one of the great sports dramas. And that brings us to the next category, the trailer moment. This is the scene or moment that best describes this movie. Every memorable sports movie needs to have that one critical ingredient, one essential moment, the inspirational speech. And this movie has a doozy, which happens to be delivered by Hanks playing Jimmy Dugan late in the movie, just a couple of scenes before that critical final game. Amidst increased anxiety from other members of the Peaches as to whether their husbands will be returning home safely from the war, World War II, Dottie's husband has just suddenly returned home safely, and she has decided that it's now time to go home with him and to restart their lives together, just before the Peaches are about to enter the World Series, no less. Well, just as she's leaving to go on the road after this impetuous decision, she's confronted by Jimmy, who tells her what's what. It's relatively short for an inspirational speech, but it's still damn effective. I still quote it to this day. You know, I really thought you were a ball player. Well, you were wrong. Was I? Yeah. It is only a game, Jimmy. It's only a game, and, and I don't need this. I have Bob. I don't need this. I don't. I, I gave away five years at the end of my career to drinking. Five years. And now there isn't anything I wouldn't give to get back any one day of it. Well, we're different. Chicken shit, Dottie. You want to go back home to Oregon and make a hundred babies? Great. I'm in no position to tell anyone how to live. But sneaking out like this, quitting, you'll regret it for the rest of your life. Baseball is what gets inside you. It's what lights you up. You can't deny that. It just got too hard supposed to be hard if it wasn't hard everyone would do it the hard is what makes it great and now that brings us to our final category the mvp this is the person or people who are most responsible for the success of this film at the end of the day gina davis is the true standout and what i would consider to be one of the best athletic acting performances of all time a genuinely impressive combination of acting chops as she's playing a relatively complex character while also being a true leader on the baseball field. No small feat, as you can find plenty of actors who can play convincing athletes, so many more who can actually portray convincing characters, but very few who can pull off both so well at the same time. It's truly an elite group. We're talking Kevin Costner in Bull Durham and Tin Cup, Jamie Foxx in Any Given Sunday, Carl Weathers in the Rocky movies, Woody Harrelson in recent episode White Men Can't Jump, Burt Reynolds in The Longest Yard, and more recently, Margot Robbie in I, Tanya. Gina Davis is just among the elite physical actresses out there, and it's a shame that she wasn't given enough roles to capitalize on this. Seriously, check out The Long Kiss Goodnight, which remains one of the more underrated action movies of the 1990s, which unfortunately flopped at the time, even though she was fantastic in it. Her Dottie Hinson is just a great character who we both care about and admire. And naturally, she was based on a real-life ball player named Dorothy Kamenshek, who played for the real Rockford Peaches in the real All-American Girls Professional Baseball League during the 1940s and 50s. Dottie, as she was also nicknamed, 
played first base, and was the all-time leader for the league in both hits and total bases. She was a true trailblazer for women's sports and was eventually selected by Sports Illustrated as one of the top 100 female athletes of the 20th century. For convincingly helping to bring her story, among many others, to the screen, to the big screen, Gina Davis is the MVP. Do people still talk to you about this this role? I mean, it's... Absolutely. You know, what's so interesting, and and it was 25 years ago, and we didn't realize at the time how long movies were going to last. I have the same number of uh, girls and young women uh, recognize me from that movie and say, I play sports because of that movie, so it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. My overall rating for A League of Their Own would be four stars out of five. Now, is this the best baseball movie ever? Well, not likely, but it's certainly in the conversation. Easily top 10, possibly top five. To be fair, even many of the best baseball movies, like The Natural, Field of Dreams, Major League, they have all often fallen victim to too much sentimentality at times, which happens with this movie. But still overall, this is a fun and rewarding rewatch. If you are looking to watch A League of Their Own, it is currently streaming on Prime Video. And that ends another Hall of Famer review. Please like, subscribe, and share the Living for the Cinema podcast. And follow and like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Letterboxd. And join us next time for another review from Living for the Cinema. Living for the Cinema.